one 9646 the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Lots to get through today. Savannah James, we've got a ton of stuff to get through, some emails, a bunch of questions. We'll get to the injury calculator, but we always start with some cases that are of interest to our listeners. That is the week that was. What is happening? Well, John, let me start off. Uh, a 58-year-old lady from Ottawa contacted us, and uh, here's the message that, that, uh, that she left for us. She says, I've been on LTD, long-term disability, since September of 2016. Uh, on September 17th of this year, uh, Manulife sent me all the paperwork to apply for CPP disability. I received a letter from CPP disability saying that my claim was denied. I didn't understand why Manulife made me fill out the paperwork for CPP. I got a call last week from a new uh, caseworker. She wanted to talk about uh, my case, but I was at the hospital and she's going to call me tomorrow. She says, I'm still under doctor's care. I don't know when I can return to work. Uh, my doctors say I'm unable to go back to work yet, and she's asking, can the insurance company cut me off because I was not approved for CPP disability? So interesting uh, uh, scenario here, and one that many people out there find themselves in, uh, where the insurance company, when they're on long-term disability, get asked or told, really, to apply for CPP disability. And generally speaking, you're going to get insurance companies uh, letting their insurance know that they need to apply about a year or so after being on LTD. Right. And the reason for that is because once you apply for CPP disability and you get approved, you get a retroactive payment from CPP of up to one year wow. going backwards. And the reason why the insurance company, and we've talked about uh, this a lot, wants you to apply for CPP disability is because if you get approved for that and you get a retroactive sum, and of course you get every month going forward, a payment from CPP disability, the insurance company gets a credit for that amount. Retroactive too? Retroactive too. So if, let's say, they had paid you for the last year, the insurance company paid you, let's say, uh, $20,000 for uh, LTD for 2016, and you just got retroactive payments from CPP disability of 1000 bucks a month of $12,000, mm-hmm. well, guess what? The insurance company gets a credit for that 12000 because they had paid you twenty. Sure. Right? You're not getting the twenty plus the twelve. And going forward, the insurance company is not going to pay you whatever they're, they've been paying you per month plus CPP that you're going to get. They're going to pay you the LTD payment less whatever it is you're getting from CPP. Monthly, yeah. But the question that this lady was uh, really focused on, other than you know why did I have to go through the process in the first place, um, was you know can the LTD insurer now cut me off because I was denied CPP disability? The answer is no. Uh, being denied for CPP disability does not mean that your insurance company is now going to cut you off LTD. That said, a lot of LTD insurers at some point, at some point, cut off the insurance off of LTD. And many times when we get involved and then we fight with the insurers over this issue, they say, well, you know, the person got denied CPP disability, uh, which, you know, the test is, uh, do you have a severe and prolonged disability? which is fairly similar, not the same, but it's a similar test uh, somewhat to the LTD criteria of are you totally disabled from doing your job. Mm -hmm. Uh, Insurance company will use that against you. They'll say CPP denied you, so therefore, you know, we should be able to deny you. And that's just not the case. Here's the lesson for people out there. If you were denied CPP disability, that does not mean that the LTD insurer is entitled to cut you off as a result of that. And if the LTD insurer even hints at cutting you off because of that or for any reason, really, and you think that it's improper, you think that you're still disabled, your doctors say you're still unable to go to work, give us a call, email us, contact us, let us look at the documentation. We'll tell you within a few minutes 
if the insurance company is acting properly or not. And oftentimes we find that they're not, that, you know, they're scaring people. Uh, people get really frightened at the thought of not getting paid by the LTD insurer. Don't get scared. You have rights. Let us help you enforce those rights. Again, one 990 is the number. What else you got going on, pal? Here's a question that was... Um, submitted to one of our websites, mydisabilityquestions.com. It's a free website. You can post your questions, and we'll answer those questions uh, literally within minutes for free. Yep. So this question comes from a lady in Sarnia, and she writes, I'm, 59, I'm a 59-year-old woman with Parkinson's disease. I'm currently still working and do have LTD insurance through my employer. I'm having trouble completing my daily work tasks. And she's asking, should I apply for LTD at work, or should I try to hold off until August of 2019? when I turn 60 and can quit work and apply for CPP? Well, first of all, we're not in the business of telling you what you should do in these situations. I mean, if you can work, then you should work, Mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned. You know, the question regarding LTD is this. uh, Are you able to do your job, essentially? Are your doctors saying that you are able to do your job? Are you disabled from doing your job because of your illness. And by the way, the fact that you have Parkinson's doesn't mean that at this point in time, you're disabled from doing your job. Mm -hmm. So, you know, consult with your doctor, speak with your doctors. Don't forget that if you apply for LTD, just like we just spoke about in the other case, you can also apply for CPP disability. Okay. So you don't have to wait until you're 60 or 65 to apply for CPP. There's a difference between CPP, regular CPP, and CPP disability, right? So if you feel that you cannot work, if you feel after speaking with your doctor that your doctors will support you being off work because of a disability, apply for LTD. If you get denied, give us a call. One thing I would add to that, though, is, you know, this lady is working at the moment, but that doesn't necessarily mean that she wouldn't qualify. Um, There are certain situations, not all the time, but there are certain situations where somebody is just barely physically capable of being at work and doing their job, but the cost to that is their health. So if their health is deteriorating because they are at work, if they are doing themselves harm, they can't be working. They should not be working, and no doctor would say that they should be. And in those scenarios, uh, I would always take the position that they qualify for disability. Uh, And so if that is the situation that you're under, by all means, listen to what your doctor is saying, and you should be stopping working. We'll uh, we'll take a short break. Our first one back into uh, more of an after that break. one 9646 is the number to call if you haven't checked it out. Injurycalculator.ca. We'll get to that as well. And lots of your questions and emails for the remainder of the show. It is the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. one 9646 is the number. Help at the insurancelawyer.ca uh, through email. And if you haven't checked it out yet, we'll talk about this, uh, guys, in just a bit. The Injury Calculator first. So uh, some more stuff coming across Yeah, just one more case that I want to mention. This is not a long-term disability case. This is uh, an incident, a a personal injury. Let me describe the scenario for you. Uh, This is a son who had contacted us on behalf of his mother. His mother had a fall in October of 2012. Uh, She apparently fell in some building that was under construction. Um, I'm not going to go into all the details except to say that she fell from the main floor to the basement through drywall. Uh, and she had a whole bunch of injuries, including a fracture to her spine. Uh, She went to the hospital. She had MRIs, a whole bunch of stuff, really, really bad. She was working at the time of the accident, hasn't been able to work since. She retained lawyers, uh, and these are lawyers that I'm not going to mention the names of, but, you know, they've been in the news. She's retained lawyers, and, uh, you know, we are now, what, when 2017, the end of 2017, this happened at the end of 2012, so five years later. Excellent. 
And here's the problem. Neither she nor her son know what is happening with their case. So, you know, we've spoken with them. We've asked a whole bunch of questions. They have no idea what is going on. And they're calling us for essentially a second opinion and to find out if, in fact, uh, you know, they can switch law firms. And, you know, I, I always dance around this issue a bit. I'm not comfortable just coming out and saying, yeah, absolutely, you can just change lawyers. You know, there are pros and cons. It depends on the circumstances of each case. It depends on uh, how much has already happened with your case. You know, I've had situations, quite a few since we started the show a few years ago, where people have called me and, John, I mean, I've heard the horror stories about how cases have gone sideways, uh, downways, every type of ways you can imagine. Uh, cases being settled and the clients don't even understand what the breakdown of the settlement is, let alone understanding what actually transpired, you know, uh, by the Or they haven't the gone over all the components they should they, have they, got for it. Absolutely. Yeah. They have no idea what's going on. And, and here's the problem. Oftentimes people say, well, okay, I just want you to take over. I want your firm to take over this. Well, here's the thing. I'm not going to put myself or, you know, the lawyers in my firm in a position of having to untangle and, and, and yeah. try and make sense out of a mess uh, that has happened to a particular case. Now, sometimes we can jump in and sometimes we can help individuals or provide them with some guidance. Many times I'll tell them, listen, here's how I look at your case. I won't even ask them who their lawyers are. I'll just say, here's what I think should have happened and ought to happen. Here's what I assess your case at in terms of compensation and liability, etc. And here's what I think you should do. I should yeah. make an appointment with your lawyer and try and figure out what's going on. But, you know, the lesson here is this. Do your due diligence if you've suffered an injury, if you have a loved one that has suffered an injury, especially when you're dealing with catastrophic type injuries or very serious injuries, make sure you do your due diligence. Don't just look at the nearest billboard or the, the commercial on TV. I mean, just make sure you really do your due diligence in terms of figuring out who to go to. And you know, if you have questions about your case or uh, family members' cases, by all means, give us give us a call. We're not going to charge you for our time to speak with you, to correspond with you. We'll assess your case. We'll tell you what we think. But, you know, it's your case. It's your life. It's a lot of yeah. money that could potentially be owed to you. It's not something you want to just, you know, don't bury your head in the sand. You want to make sure you do it right. I have this happen to me quite frequently where someone will come to me and they'll be dissatisfied with the service that they're getting from their lawyer at the yep. time. And my approach to it is always the same. I want to know what I can do for that client. And I want to see if at the end of the day, whether or not I can actually get more money from the other side, if that's going to put more money in my client's pocket. That's really what I'm looking at. So if this person's coming to me and I think I can do 20% better, but they're still going to have to pay their other lawyer. And at the end of the day, they're going to walk away with less. I'll tell them that. Yeah. I'll say to them, listen, I think I can do a little bit better on the whole, but that's not going to do better. The cost for you. benefits not there. Yeah, and so yeah. I'm I, I'm always happy to give a very straightforward analysis to the extent I have information to do that analysis mm -hmm. on, um, and let them know and go from there. And you know, it, 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 like Savon said, it doesn't cost you anything to come talk with us. So we're always happy to do an assessment. Initial consultations are always free. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. Yeah. I was just going to say on James's point that just a few months ago, if you remember, James, we actually spoke about a case, uh, a, a son that had called me because their father was catastrophically injured in a car accident. And, you know, the the the, uh, the son who called me, uh, we organized a teleconference between me, him, his brother, the mother, everyone there. And I had spoken with you about it. I'm not going to go into all the details of the case, but it was catastrophic. Right. And we assessed, we knew the lawyer that was representing them. 
and we assess certain errors that happened throughout the management of the file. But in the overall analysis, the client would have been worse off financially coming with us because so much work and so many issues arose out of the management of that file with the other lawyer. And so when James and I were talking about, we've concluded that, you know what? No, the right thing to do is to tell them, listen, stick it out. Here's what you should be aware of. But against our own interests here, we are telling you, here's what you need to do. Here's how you need to proceed. But do not come with us. Not because we can't help you, but because it's too much cleanup. And you're going to be better off at the end of the day where you are right now. And they were so appreciative. I mean, they just couldn't understand why I was saying what I was saying because it was counterintuitive for the lawyer to say, listen, it's an amazing case for me, but I'm telling you not to come to me because of everything that's transpired. You're going to be better off if you stay where you are. Because we'll do that. We'll tell you it's the right thing to do. And it's too bad that more lawyers don't do that. Injurycalculator.ca before we break. Give me some details. So the injury calculator is a great tool that we have available for anybody who's interested in finding out what the value of their pain and suffering might be. So when you're injured in an accident, you might not understand how exactly you put a dollar amount on your injuries. And it really is an interesting process. But the shortest answer is the best way to estimate, and that's what this is, the best way to estimate the value of what your pain and suffering is going to be is to take a look at all the other cases that have been decided where people in similar circumstances, so the same age, the same types of injuries, um, have taken a case to court and see what they have been awarded in those circumstances. So the injury calculator is a tool that takes all of those cases, puts them in a database, asks you various questions about your situation, and will give you a range of what your injuries might be worth. And again, it's an estimate, but it's a great tool to get you started and to give you just a bit of free information. Again, injurycalculator.ca is that uh, site. Check it out. It's, there's absolutely no work to it whatsoever. It takes you a minute or two just to go through it. And if you want contact at the bottom, you can do that as well. Barring that, you're in, you're out. No one knows you were, uh, you were ever there. one 9646 is the number to get a hold of Savannah and the rest of the firm. It is help at the insurancelawyer.ca. We will bounce over to an email after a short break. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. one 9646 is the number you need to know. It is help at the insurancelawyer.ca. If you have any questions outside of show hours, you want to ask about uh, your disability or anything else, mydisabilityquestions.com will work uh, just fine. Email here from Leslie. I'll send this one over to you, uh, James. My husband was denied long-term disability, and uh, he appealed the decision. He is 39. He was in a car accident last year. He broke his knee and had a concussion. The accident wasn't his fault. He appealed the LTD denial, and we just got the the denial uh, of the appeal last week. That's a shock. Uh, what should we do? It's been extremely hard on us and uh, two young daughters. Appeal, appeal, appeal. Well, yeah, the first thing I would address here um, in Leslie's email is the appeal issue. And this is a theme that we have every week on the mm-hmm. show. Um, the insurance company, when they deny your disability claims, they are always going to afford you the right to appeal. And this sounds great. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I'm, I still Aren't have a nice? chance. I still have a chance. I still might be able to get my benefits. All I have yeah. to do is just go a little bit further. And guess what? You're going to get denied. And then you're then they're going to say, but you can appeal again. You can have a second appeal. Just a little bit more information. And on and on it goes. The purpose of the appeal is to drag it on for at least two years. And the reason why they want to do this for two years is because if you don't bring a legal claim within two years of the first denial, then you're shut out. You cannot challenge that denial. 
you have no way of doing it. And guess what? They're not going to keep letting you appeal after that either. You're going to be done. So when they send you that first that first denial letter, that's when the clock starts running. Right. You have two years from then. It doesn't matter how many times you appeal. It doesn't reset it, the clock. No. Right. So you know the real purpose of the appeals is just to drag it out. So Leslie, what can you do? Well, you can come to us and we can start a legal claim for for your husband. The end result, really, you know, you want to start it sooner than later. And appealing, you know, I, I wouldn't say that it hurts you in the sense that, you know, your claim is less likely to be able to be settled. But where it does hurt you is it drags things out. It means that if you've waited three months or six months or a year before you've started your legal claim, well, the resolution is going to be three, six, one year later down the road as well. And given you know your situation, your husband's situation, and the difficulty um, that you and your family are experiencing, you want a resolution as quickly as possible. So there's really no purpose in waiting. The appeal isn't going to help you. Let's get the legal claim started now. It is one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. So, uh, how do you deal with an insurance company that uh, refuses to acknowledge the obvious disability? I mean, it happens all the time. I mean, what if they just don't want to come to the table and negotiate? John, before I answer that question, I just want to go back to that email. No. Uh, so, um, James dealt with the LTD portion, but you know, Leslie mentioned that the the whole disability aspect of the case arose from a car accident. Mm-hmm. Another thing to remember here, and we have this a lot as well. Uh, people who end up with LTD issues as a result of an accident, a car accident, where particularly when they're not at fault. And remember, even though your focus is on the LTD insurer because that's what's in front of you, that denial of the appeal, there's also the insurance company of the driver who hit you, right, who caused the injuries for which you're now uh, suffering and are disabled, as well as your own insurance company who uh, should be paying you accident benefits. And she's mentioned, and it makes sense, that they are under significant financial strain. You're entitled to income replacement benefits. You're entitled to medical rehabilitation benefits. There's a whole bunch of things that should be addressed in addition to the LTD portion. And maybe that's something that's already getting taken care of. Well, uh, one thing to understand is that some lawyers out there will be able to handle your car accident claim, but not necessarily your long-term disability claim. Again, ideally, you want everything done under the same roof. You want the left hand speaking to the right hand mm-hmm. because these um, benefits or these claims against all of these insurance companies are intertwined uh, to an extent. And there might be an employment matter too, by the way. There might be an employment matter. If he's unable to go back to work right. for a prolonged period of time and he's let go or things happen at work, absolutely 100%, which is why, and by the way, we just had a few weeks ago a settlement of a claim, again, where we had the LTD insurer, we had the accident benefit insurer, and we had the tort insurer, the insurer for the driver who caused the accident. Everyone in the same room, and we struck a settlement with all of them. And think about this. We have three pockets to go after, yeah. right? You have three insurance companies who are interested to be there. They want to be there because they understand that that's going to be their best chance of resolving the case. So very important to understand that even though you are dealing with an LTD case, if that LTD case arose out of an accident, you want to make sure that all of the components of compensation, including pain and suffering, any other types of benefits that you are entitled to, everything is dealt with. Uh, by the same lawyer, ideally by the same law firm. So that question again, so we have an insurance company won't uh, acknowledge an obvious disability, they won't even come to the table to negotiate. What do you do? Well, then we hammer them. We we go hard. Here's the thing, and this is something people don't understand. A lot of people don't understand. Insurance companies are not in the business of fighting claims. That's not their model. Their model is to make money. And how do they make money? By charging you high premiums, and figuring out how many times or how many people they can deny claims, how much of that money they can keep uh, for themselves. 
you know, and, and we had uh, uh, Terry um, Corcoran, uh, Corcoran yeah. on exactly, and he used to be on the insurance side for many, many years, you know, and he would tell me and James on the show as well as off the show how many times he would walk away from settlements with plaintiffs and plaintiffs' lawyers, and he would be scratching his head because his insurance company had just paid a settlement but paid, you know, two cents on the dollar or 10 cents on the dollar, right? right? The other side did not actually get the full amount that they are owed. Uh, so, you know, what we do in our office is we maximize as much as we can the exposure on the insurance company. Insurance companies are not in the business of taking risks unless they really, yeah. you know, think that it's worthwhile. Uh, they want to make money. And one of the ways that they make money is by paying out claims. But you have to create that exposure to create that pressure on them to want to come to the table and settle. And there are techniques of doing that. And we've developed those over the years, partly because we've worked for insurance companies and yeah. partly because we just do our due diligence. Right. You want to make sure you do that. Otherwise, you're going to be one of those people who end up settling for 10 cents on the dollar. The The other part of that question that I think really needs to be addressed is what happens in the unusual circumstance where even after you've started a claim and you have a legitimate claim, they're not being reasonable. And the short answer to that is you have to push them towards trial. Now, that's not something that's often going to happen. And if you're listening at home, I wouldn't worry about starting a claim that is likely that you're going to have to go that way. But every now and then, you have to push at least towards that if the insurance company isn't willing to be reasonable. Right. But guess what? When you do it, when the insurance company knows that they're dealing with a law firm that is prepared to go to trial, they don't want to push it there. They don't want to go there because it becomes much more expensive for them to defend a claim if they have to go through the trial process. So you have to always be ready to do it if right. it's necessary. But as long as they know that you're ready to do it and that if you have to, you will, then you usually don't have to. one 990 is the number. Help the We'll get to another email as soon as we come back from a break. If you haven't checked it out, we talked about it earlier. Injurycalculator.ca. Find out what the pain and suffering component of your claim should be. It's simple to check out. It takes about uh, 30 seconds to go through that metric, and there's a contact at the bottom if you want to contact Savannah and the firm as well. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. Help the insurance lawyer.ca is the email. Cheryl writes in says my sister is getting long term disability for rheumatoid arthritis for over a year now. She's fifty two and her insurer wants to pay her up to the two year mark and close her file. Her adjuster is pressuring her to agree, but I think she should call you. What happens if she doesn't agree to the adjuster's demands? So the first thing that we need to understand about the situation um, is the change of definition. So right. change of definition is what happens two years after you've been approved for disability benefits. So in the first two years, you're entitled to your disability benefits as long as you can show that you are disabled from returning to whatever job you had at the time you became disabled. Period. After those two years are up, then it becomes whether or not you can return to any employment. Now, each policy is different, and the wording can change how the interpretation uh, will go. And so you want to take a look at the specific wording of the policy. But generally speaking, that's it. The first two years is whether you can return to your job. And after that, it's whether you can return to any job. So that's what's going on here. Um, so Cheryl's sister is being approached by the insurance company with a proposal to settle up to the two-year mark. And one thing is certainly true. After the two-year mark, it does become more difficult to get those benefits. And so it might be reasonable in these circumstances um, to accept a 
uh, an agreement for disability benefits up to the two-year mark. It might not. It really depends on the extent of the limitations and the language of the policy. But, you know, the easiest thing to do is to give us a call. Uh, we can certainly take a look at the policy and we can get the medical records as well as the uh, insurer's file and take a look and see what's what and provide an opinion free of charge. What do you think, Samantha? Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Just something to keep in mind in these cases where the insurance company comes to you and wants to settle up. Uh, so first of all, rarely with, with insurance companies, <clears throat> sorry, rarely will insurance companies uh, agree to negotiate that amount. Uh, and I say that simply because we've tried it quite a few times. Insurance companies come to you, they'll say, here's our proposal, uh, accept it by a certain date, or we'll just continue paying you. And, and, and so people ask, well, okay, if I in fact refuse the settlement, right. will they continue paying me? Well, then the question becomes, it depends, which is pretty much what James is talking about here, that we have to assess whether or not you're going to qualify under the new definition of disability. And one of the things that we do when people come to us and ask us these kinds of questions is we say, okay, well, what do your doctors say? How do you feel? What kind of medical documents do you have? Is your condition progressive or not? Are you getting better with treatments? Look, she's 52 years old. She's got potentially 13 years more to go, assuming this is a standard LTD policy that goes to age 65. The insurance company, if, if she can't work, if for whatever reason this condition is progressive, she's getting worse, and she can't work for the next 13 years, holy cow, whatever numbers are discussed, we don't even know what the amounts are, even if it's a thousand bucks a month, do the math. Uh. The insurance company is essentially asking this lady to accept a fraction yeah, of yeah. what otherwise she could and potentially, saying, yeah, yeah, exactly. And again, it doesn't mean that it's not a bad deal. It's just that you have to be extremely careful. One more thing to say, if you accept that deal, if you accept that money, that's not, no it's not for back. free. There's no going back. Mm-hmm. You're going to be asked to sign a release. What is a release? It's a piece of paper. The insurance company gives you that says in exchange for this money, you are agreeing that you have no more claim against us, meaning that the next day, a month later, a year later, you can't come to us knocking on the door saying, I'm sorry, I made a mistake, I want to return the money, I want payments now. No. So you have to be extremely careful, which is why James said, and he's correct, come to us, email us, call us, let us have a look at the documentation, we'll have a chat, even if it's just for a few minutes. We've done this so much now, we do this every day, we can give you the advice you need and it'll cost you nothing. So why won't you just arm yourself with that information so you can make an intelligent choice on how to proceed? one 9646 is the number. So you guys go to mediation, you can do a settlement. Everybody wants to know, is that settlement money taxable? It's a pretty straightforward question, John. Yeah. Um, so the first thing you want to know is if you're talking about uh, future benefits or past benefits. So let's say we're at the mediation and the client has been cut off a year before and we negotiate a settlement for not only the benefits from the past year, but let's say three years into the future as well. So that past year might be taxable, and Mm -hmm. we'll get into that in a moment, but the three years in the future are not. The future years are not taxable. Whether or not the past years are taxable really just depends on who paid for the premiums. If the if the uh, if the client paid for a hundred percent of the premiums, not taxable. If, however, the employer has paid any portion of the premiums, then it will be taxable. So it's a pretty straightforward question and pretty straightforward answer, I think. Yep. And again, I have just a, a small note on this. Again, nothing, not disagreeing with anything. I think everything Jim said is correct. One thing to keep in mind is this: if you are one of those people whose benefits are taxable. Think about this. If you've been cut off today, 
and you come to us today and we resolve your case in, let's say, I don't know, six months, okay? Let's assume for a second there is a six-month retroactive amount that is owed to you, right, from the date of the cutoff today Mm -hmm. up until six months from now. Well, that amount is going to get taxed. If you don't come to us today, if you wait for a year, you go through the the appeal process, right, and it gets dragged out, and you come to us a year from now, two years from now, and let's say, so let's say you come to us a year from now, Mm -hmm. and let's say then it takes us six months to resolve your claim. That's a year and a half. Now you have a year and a half worth of taxable uh, uh, benefits. So, I mean, you see, see yeah, if you come to us now, the more we can get you in terms of a future amount, yep. the less tax you're going to end up paying. I mean, think about that. Not to mention the fact that the less time you're going to be sure. without money. So, you know, you got to be careful with that. Don't just, you know, sit on your hands and do nothing. Come to us as soon as you know that you're going to be cut off. And oftentimes, John, by the way, you're not, it's not like, you know, you get a letter saying you were cut off last week. The letters you usually get or the calls or the emails will tell you you're going to be cut off in a few weeks or a few months. So you got some time. You got some time. Call yeah. us now. Call you know, Email us now. Don't wait until that happens because we can jump into action now. Sorry. I was going to say the headline here, which wouldn't apply in all cases, is quicker is better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just in this case, we hope. one 990 is that number. Uh, Savannah mentioned the email, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Lots more of the insurance and injury law show on the way. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. 1-888-990-9646 is the number, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. If you haven't checked it out, you want to find out what the pain and suffering component of a claim should be, injurycalculator.ca as well. Uh, Jim writes in through that email address, says, a good friend of mine was injured in a work accident and was denied workers' comp, but his long-term disability insurer still wants to deduct uh, what he ought have received from workers' comp from what they have to pay him. Is that right? Can they do that? I'll answer that one, John. Um, so, uh, Jim, most LTD insurers will have a, in fact, all of them will have a section uh, in the policy that talks about other income or, or other entitlements and what the insurance company can get a credit for. And in many of these policies, you'll have a provision that says that uh, if if your illness or injury uh, occurred as a result of, of a work-related incident uh, for which you are entitled to workers' compensation, and if you get workers' compensation benefits, then that's uh, a credit that we get, just like CPP disability. The issue here that Jim is raising with his friend is that you know his, his friend was actually denied workers' comp. And, right. you know, the insurance company still wants to deduct those benefits. I haven't even seen the policy, but I can tell you that my gut instinct is that they cannot do that. They cannot do that for the same reason that they can't do that with CPP disability. Your obligation as an insured under these policies, which, by the way, are contracts, are legal contracts. So the insurance company can't go beyond the contract. If we look at the contract and the contract states that the insurance company gets a credit for any money you receive from mm-hmm. workers' compensation... Well, then, in this case, Jim's friend hasn't received any money from workers' compensation from WSIB. If the policy, however, says that the insurance company gets a credit for any money that he ought to receive, they would have an argument, but they're not going to have that kind of verbiage in there because these kind of contracts usually stipulate that it's the money that you receive. Now, they may have an argument if the person is supposed to be applying for workers' comp but hasn't, just like insurance companies oftentimes take the position that uh, if you know you, you you have to apply for CPP, CPP disability, yeah. and if you don't apply, then they'll start uh, estimating how much you should be getting, and then they'll get a credit for that, or they'll ask for a credit for that. But as soon as you apply and you get denied, you fulfilled your part of the contract. And for them to say that, 
well, you know, workers' comp made a mistake. Mm-hmm. That's not your problem. You've satisfied the terms of the contract by applying, and then you got denied. Gotcha. Well, the insurance company can't now go back and say, we're going to do something that the contract doesn't allow us to do. So again, insurance companies will many times, unfortunately, knowingly or unknowingly, do things that push the envelope and things they're not allowed to do, but people will not necessarily know. They won't be the wiser, right? Call us, give us, um, uh, give us a shout, email us, mm-hmm. let us have a look at your issue, just like with these emails. Let us look at the documentation. Literally a few minutes, just within a few minutes, we'll be able to tell you what we think about your case and give you advice on how to proceed. I think this particular email is a very good illustration of the dichotomy that exists inside the disability departments um, at insurance companies. So when the claim is being handled by the adjuster, who you're dealing with on a day-to-day basis, their focus is just getting you off of the disability benefits so that they can pay as little as possible. Mm-hmm. So they're going to reach, they're going to do whatever they can to minimize what they're paying out. but. The moment a legal claim is started, it gets taken out of their hands. It goes to their legal department, and they have a very different focus. They know that they have exposure. They they know that they have to look at it reasonably, and they know that they're not going to be entitled to deduct a benefit that you never received, as long, of course, as you did apply for it. Um, so you know that's one of the benefits to starting a claim is it really changes the focus of the insurance company as well. It gets taken out of the adjuster's hands and put into a place where they're going to have to be much more realistic about it. And actually, you're talking about overreaching. Uh, we've had claims in the office uh, where when we got involved, not only did we see overreaching, but we saw uh, egregious conduct. And, and that egregious conduct gives rise to what we call punitive damages, now, it's very, very rare to get awards of punitive damages. And punitive damages, by the way, are uh, punishment against the insurance right. companies. So you're not just asking for the benefit you're entitled to for your client. You're asking for further uh, money. For something to, you shouldn't have done. Exactly, yeah. for, for, you know, to punish them. And, and you know, courts are very weary in awarding that. The point is that we've had uh, more than our share of cases where we've looked at cases that came to our office, and when we start looking through the insurance company's file, Holy cow, the stuff that we see some adjusters do, I'm telling you, I don't know, I think John Grisham can write like, you know, a hundred more books with, with some of the material right. that we've seen. I mean, it's just crazy. And again, that allows us to then exert tremendous pressure on the insurance companies. And oftentimes they'll end up paying even more than what our clients could have potentially gotten in court because they don't want this information out there. The truth is there's very rarely a day where I I get a file from an insurance company that I'm not shocked by what they've done. (laughs) And I do this for a living. You know, this is what I do on a day-to-day basis. And it still shocks me, the things that you see. It would be more surprising to me at this point if I got an insurance file that didn't have anything in there to challenge, where they actually did it by the book. That would be really shocking to me, but I've never seen it. I've it's never like, it's seen like it. Lior seeing a severance offer that's perfect. This doesn't happen. It's right? a unicorn. It, does. it doesn't and, exist. And, and by the way, John, if you think it's just us, you know, working for people who are injured and disabled who are yeah. saying this, no, no, no. This is us also shaking our heads together with our defense colleagues off the record, right? Really? When, they, when, when they're not just defending their, their insurance clients, they will oftentimes come to us and, you know, and we'll, we would have known them. It's a very small community sure. amongst us lawyers. And they will tell us and they'll say, we have no idea what, you know, our, our clients were thinking when they were doing this. I mean, they'll never say this on the record. Of and, and again, remember, I mean, we worked for insurance companies, so we yeah. saw this 
on the other side as well. And part of it is because it's just a bureaucracy. Insurance companies are just massive uh, bureaucratic entities. And part of it is because, you know, they do have a mandate. And the mandate is to make money oftentimes at whatever cost. And it's not whatever cost that is the problem here because it's at the cost of the little guy. 1-888-990-9646 one 990 is the number. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. You want to check it out sometime, injurycalculator.ca as well. More coming up, the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. one 990 is the number. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. So, yeah, we, we, we kind of dabble a little bit uh, with employment when it comes to this stuff because there's so much overlap. What happens if you're on LTD and you lose your job? Okay, so that does happen yeah. quite a lot. And again... People need to understand that, you know, you do have, there are different legal issues, but they are connected. And, you know, in our firm, we have employment lawyers, we have disability lawyers, and that's one of the unique aspects of our firm in that we can handle all of these issues in-house. What does that mean? It means that we can maximize the compensation on all fronts for the individual that's suffering uh, and who's been just let go. So what happens if you are on LTD and you were let go? Well, if you're let go, you're going to be entitled to severance. And of course, Lior talks a lot about that on his Employment Hour show, and there is a severance calculator you can go to and check out how much severance you're entitled to. But what people don't understand is that when they get severance, uh, and they're shocked by this, they think, okay, well, I was just let go. Um, Let's assume for a second my severance is appropriate. You know, I'm entitled to, I don't know, $20,000, you know, five months worth of income, let's say. Um, The insurance company, the LTD insurer, comes knocking on the door and uh, says, uh, well, we get a credit Credit, for that. And again, if you look at the LTD policy, there's going to be a section that talks about other income, and usually severance is encompassed in there because it is, well, it's income, right? And here's the thing. From an employment standpoint, and I work enough with employment lawyers to know this, if you are let go while you're in disability, you have a potential human rights claim, okay, for being let go while under disability. What does that mean? It means that there is a possibility here that you're entitled to human rights damages. Well, guess what? The LTD insurer cannot deduct, cannot get credit for human rights damages. So maybe you are owed $20,000 from your employer, but maybe it shouldn't be $20,000 for severance. Maybe it should be $10,000 for severance and $10,000 for human rights. Or even better, $20,000 for severance and 10000 right. in addition to that for human rights. So first of all, we can maximize what you're owed from your employer for being let go while under mm-hmm. disability. Uh, but in addition to that, we may be able to structure the settlement in such a way that your LTD insurer can't get all the deduction that they want under the law. So again, it's extremely important that if you're let go from your job while you're disabled, you give us a call or email us, let us deal with your case. You know, both James and I work in an office where uh, on one on one side we have employment lawyers, on the other side we have employment lawyers, right? So we're all in it together and we all talk amongst each other uh, about these cases that we handle together. What's our goal? What's our objective? To maximize the compensation for our clients on all sides. And if you hire lawyers for employment and for disability from different firms, chances are something will fall through the cracks and you're not going to get the full compensation you're owed. Well, I think this is actually a perfect example of why it makes sense to have um, all of your issues covered in-house by one firm. Because if you're just looking at this from an employment perspective, you'll be doing your job if you try and maximize the amount that the employer is paying. But if you're looking at the global perspective, what's best for the client, 
from both the employment and the LTD perspective, you might be prepared to take a little bit less from the employer if it's structured in a way where more of the damages are going to be human rights and thus not deductible from the LTD. So it will put more money in the client's pocket. But you're not going to be aware of that and you're not going to be focused on that if you're just looking at one aspect. We'll wrap uh, with uh, with an email, guys. I'll send this one to you. James Darrowitson says, My wife was on LTD for almost a year and a half and was told last week that her payments uh, would end in May. She's 45 and worked as a social worker until a work incident that caused her significant trauma. She witnessed a suicide. Uh, she's been getting help, but there is no way she can go back to work, and her family doctor and her psychologist both agree that she needs much more time off. What can I do to help her? So there are two big issues uh, that Daryl's wife is dealing with. There's a medical issue and there's a legal issue. Uh, what we can do to help from the medical side is remove the additional stress and anxiety that she's under having to deal with her insurance company and these disability benefits. Uh, and that's going to be a huge factor because when you're dealing with the types of issues that one deals with in those circumstances, having financial strain and having you know to deal with this insurance company is invariably going to make it worse. So you call us and we can start a claim and we become the people that deal directly with the insurance company. We remove that part of the stress from your plate. Now she can focus entirely on what's happening uh, from her rehabilitation perspective and not have to worry with dealing with the insurance adjusters all the time. Good for another week, guys. one 9646 is the number. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And if you haven't used it yet, injurycalculator.ca. Find out what the pain and suffering component of your claim should be. Contact anytime, and uh, Savannah will respond really quickly. MyDisabilityQuestions.com as well. You can check that, uh, check that one out as well. Till next time, the Insurance and Injury Law Show. This is Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.